prepare to experience the strongest radio allowable by law. Secrets will be revealed. Myths dispelled. From the studio gym where excuses never apply. It's Superhuman Radio with your host, Carl Lenore. Welcome back to another episode of Superhuman Radio. Sorry, clearing my throat. Let me clear my throat. Um, it isn't often that I get a chance to sit down with this guy that we're going to talk to today. Um, I'm a firm believer in that people should respect you more than anything else in life. And he's a guy who really has uh, earned the respect of many, many people over the years. And if you spend enough time with him, you really can't stop from loving the guy, too, for who he is. And it's Mike Mahler. Um, Mike has been an influence on me for the entire time I've done this show, which is now 17 years. And he always influences me in subtle ways. <clears throat> you just have to watch him. Watch him train. Watch the things he talks about. Um, and you understand why. Uh, because he is a well-rounded human being that has a lot of opinions, and I would say ninety percent of his, at least ninety percent of his p opinions, are always right, right on, and he has the courage to share that with you and let the the the, the dust fall where it may. <clears throat> We're going to be talking with Mike to see what he's digging right now, what he's passionate about, what motivates him, and also this is the tenth anniversary of the inf introduction of his his uh, testosterone booster, which a lot of people use. Uh, we're going to talk to him. Feel free to post questions during the show if you have them for Mike. I'm sure a lot of people love him as well. Before we get started, I have to thank our title sponsor. And that is and that is Legendary Foods, makers of the Sweet Roll. Uh, if you miss having a crap-loaded Cinnabon at your favorite mall uh, restaurant, you can embrace them again. Legendary Foods has made a cinnamon-flavored, chocolate-flavored, and wild berry-flavor version of the Cinnabon that is 20 grams of high-quality protein, 1 gram of sugar, and 5 net carbs. You can eat them and feel guilty, but you're really not because they're delicious. Go to shrnetwork.biz slash legendary. Use the code SHR10 to save 10% off, but more important, to let them know that the advertising dollars are working with Superhuman Radio. And while you're there, don't forget to check out the Tasty Pastry, which was the uh, upgraded version of a Pop-Tart. Same thing, 20 grams of high-quality protein. Uh, these have less than one gram of sugar, I believe. Uh, and again, uh, the same five net carbs. And they're delicious. And get enough for your kids, too, because when school's in session, send them to school with these instead of crap. And they'll feel like they're eating the same things that their friends are, but you and I know they're not. Uh, check them out. We'll always have them in, in our mind because the, this is the largest sponsor. Ron Penna has done more for this show and for me personally than any single person out there today. And uh, we want to acknowledge them and uh, make sure we patronize them. Okay. Without further delay, I'm going to turn on his mic. I'm going to turn on his mic. Mike Mahler, welcome, right. <laughs> welcome back to the show. It's been too long. How are you? Yeah, thank you. It's great to see you. It's great to catch up with you. So... We, we, we have topics that we could cover, but I find it's much better to have Mike 
discuss what he's most passionate about these days. Because like you and I, he's a multifaceted human being who has lots of things on his mind. So like, what, what, what's really driving you right now? What, what energizes you to talk about these days? Well, one thing that gets on my nerves to no end that I think you'll enjoy this is this whole toxic masculinity movement. That thing irritates me to no end. This whole self-love movement irritates me as well. So I don't know which one you want to start with. Well, <laughs> we could start with toxic. I, 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 so toxic mas- masculinity was first really observed by you. Yeah. When you started, you wrote yeah. a book and you made shirts and I still have the old one and you just sent me a new one, probably the last one uh, out there, Aggressive Strength. I always found yeah. that an interesting uh, title for a book because it's the antithesis of what we're being told men should do. Men should be wussies. Right. We shouldn't work hard. We should get fat. We should achieve the, the dad bod. And this is, mis- this is misinformation today. So let's talk about toxic masculinity. Yeah. Right. And I think sometimes people equate aggressiveness as being antithetical of being compassionate. And in my opinion, they're both one and the same when used properly. So with toxic masculinity, I think what's going on is, are there men who behave badly? Absolutely. There are men that are very inappropriate to women that are cruel to other people. But my point is, is that it's not because they're men that they're acting that way. It has nothing to do with masculinity. Those are people that, I don't know if I can cuss on it. Do you cuss on this show or not? Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> I'll, keep, I'll keep it. Sometimes I get on a roll if I come out. But I'll just say that there, this kind of lewd behavior is based on, is, is something that is emblematic of them. Now, for example, if women act really inappropriately, no one says, oh, that's toxic femininity, right? Because that's it's not all women who act like that. Just because a few women are acting poorly, no one's going to make the generalization that all women have that problem. But somehow it's socially acceptable to say all men have this problem. That's the way they come at you is that every all men have this problem and men, you need to check yourself and stop behaving this way. It's like, well, look, I don't behave that way. So I'm not going to check myself and I'm not going to apologize to anyone for other people's behavior. You know, that's the other right. thing too. It's like every, every man has to apologize for the actions of well, others. Well, well, think, well, think, well think about it. If we do that based on the color of, a, of someone's skin, we're classifying them yeah. as uh, these are traits of this race. And but people right. have no problem saying that men are horrible. It's just sad. And by the way, right. Peter Rouse just paid you a great compliment that you are the, oh, okay. the original the original Jordan Peterson. He says. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Peter. And also, by the way, Carl, I wanted to say thank you for that nice introduction as oh, well. Yeah. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So I think I think uh, when I when I look at men who act really poorly. Men that are abusive. These are not strong men. These are weak men. These are men that are overcompensating. I bet if we looked at their blood work, they would have really high estrogen levels and poor testosterone levels. Now, what happens when someone has too much intensity? They're like, oh, that guy's got way too much testosterone. He likes to get in the bar fights every Friday after a few drinks. He's got way too much testosterone. People don't understand testosterone at all. Testosterone is the exact opposite of that. Testosterone is the ultimate empowerment hormone for men because when your testosterone levels are optimal you don't have to prove anything to anyone you don't have to you don't have to project strength you already have strength you don't have to project the illusion of strength i should say so it's it's men that are weak that are overcompensating and those are the men that that are responsible for this kind of behavior that is framed as toxic masculinity but the phrase makes it sound like all men are like this and only a few men are good but most men are like this. That's the that's the narrative. And the, right and the irony, and, and the irony, very unhealthy narrative. The uh, irony of it is the the people who get to tell 
men who are good and who are bad are women that solely want to have control over men to get them to do what they want them right. to do. So you can't right. – well, I'm not going to give you the, the stamp of approval unless you act this way, and that's bullshit. Now, also, it's important to understand that there are legitimate clinical studies that show that men with the highest testosterone seem to be the most chill – and, yeah. and more importantly, the men with the highest estrogen levels seem to be the most bitchy and mean. So we could re, if we, if we classify this by hormones and God forbid we talk about biology nowadays, then it's really the men who are like women that are they're the worst. So we should call it trans, uh, estrogenic male <laughs> tendencies. That's what we should call yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, me personally, I found that. I only became more confident as I improved my testosterone levels and less hostile. Not that I'm the most hostile person in general, but I find that I'm less likely to get angry in a in a driving situation where it's a road rage type situation. Now I'm like, eh, no big deal. Someone cut me off. Who cares? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so you, you find that you're more relaxed and composed because, again, you're, you don't have that need to overcompensate in any way. You know, like someone disrespects me. I need to make sure this person knows I'm not going to tolerate that. No, and also when you have when you have an optimal hormone profile, you project real strength that you become less of a target too. And I think it's really important for everyone to make themselves less of a human target. But men should be walking around projecting strength. You should be walking around going, that guy looks lethal. I don't want to mess with that guy. Right. That guy looks dangerous right. in a good way. Right. Because that's the best the best self-defense is never having to be in a situation where you need to use any self-defense techniques. Right. Right. And no, number one, you can avoid most hostile situations just by avoiding places where people drink. <laughs> so if you want to avoid most conflict, just don't go to bars or Vegas after 11 p.m. around a lot of drunk people. That's when most hostility starts. But the other way is projecting strength where someone goes, OK, I want to assault someone today. Who should I pick? OK, well, there's a guy who's who's walking around the neighborhood looking at his looking at his iPad and he's got big headphones on. He's completely distracted. Now that looks like a good target. Now here's a guy walking with his shoulders back. He's looking forward. He seems really self-aware, situationally aware. I don't think that's the ideal target. Right. So, so and I, don't, and I don't see why any of that stuff is a bad thing. And the thing about most women will like, like anytime I talk about toxic masculinity, it's women who come to my defense more than anyone else. It's usually super far left feminist type guys that feel like they have to chime in for virtue signaling purposes. You know, the worst segment of the extreme feminist movement are men that are involved in that movement because they're just trying to curry favor with these women for whatever reason. Let's be honest. Let's call it what it is. We all know men motivations. What are, what are, what motivates men more than anything else? Trying to please women. Okay. Now most men are straight and most men want to please women. Now these are guys who feel that, okay, if I could just be agreeable, and just buy into everything. But if you talk to women and they're honest, they don't like guys who just agree with everything they have to say. They you, find that really weak. So like I can't, especially really attractive women, they go, I can't stand these guys who just agree with everything I say and just like, hey, what do you want to do tonight? I don't know, honey. What do you want to do? You know, right. like that kind of behavior. Well, I, I don't, I don't think that's a, as bad as the fact that when women want to support uh, when men want to support women in things that only exclusively women can have the 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 understanding of like, you know, um, guys, you know, like the guys with the man buns and stuff like that, they're outwardly trying to attract women who are, want a weak man. That's my opinion. I, that's how I, I mean, really. And and so the, the, the reality is they are trying to curry favor and they're trying to curry favor because these particular women 
what they really want is a girlfriend that has a penis. <laughs> really, that's what they want. They want they want a guy that they can push around a little bit. Okay, so let's 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 take this in another direction for a second because I I have a feeling that you're also following this trend. <clears throat> this healthy at any weight uh, notion. It's bullshit. Right. It, it is bullshit. And, and the analogy I use, Mike, is if I jump, jump off a 100-story building, I may still be alive by the time I pass the 50th floor. I'll be like, see, it doesn't kill you. But eventually yeah. I'm going to hit the ground and I'm going to be dead. Yeah. We can all agree on yeah. that. So let's talk yeah. about healthy at any size and it's self-love. Love yourself no matter what you look like. Talk about it. Well, my attitude, the, the real problem with it is it's not healthy. You're not healthy. Let's start right there. The truth is always in your blood work or your lab work. So if you have real, if, if I'm going to talk about how optimal my hormones are, and then I have blood work and everything is all over the place, I have depleted testosterone, high estrogen, I'm not really a credible source at that point. But the real problem with this whole self-love movement is that if there are things that you don't like about yourself, why wouldn't you want to change those things? I'm not talking about your height or your skin color, or anything like that. Those are obviously things that are immutable. They're not subject to change. <clears throat> but if you don't like your financial situation, is it healthier to just accept it? They're like, you know what? I'm just going to be poor for the rest of my life. Or is, does it behoove you to say, I want to improve my life categorically. I want to be able to provide for everyone around me and improve my life on multiple levels. Obviously, the latter is more empowering. So it, this, this, mo this, this movement may have the right intentions in terms of people are too hard on themselves. Let's get people to be more compassionate to themselves. Okay. But being compassionate to yourself is taking good care of yourself. And if you're 200 pounds overweight, let's be honest, you're not taking good care of yourself. You're unhealthy. You're a ticking time bomb. Absolutely. And eventually you're going to hit the ground. Uh, I, I, a thought just came to me about the last segment. What, what do you think about uh, James Cameron, the famous director, coming out and saying that men have to work harder to reduce testosterone levels? Is he, just, is he oh, really that stupid? God. Does he not realize that testosterone is an important hormone for both men and women? I, I was so disappointed when I heard him say that because I'm such a big fan of so many of his movies. Like Aliens is one of the best movies ever made. Terminator. I mean, there's so many badass movies he's made. And I, I don't know what's happened to him where I don't know if he's been exposed to some environmental toxins and it's changing his brain behavior. Well, he's vegan. He's I, vegan. I, he became vegan. And I, no knock against vegan because yeah. I know that. Yeah, you are because I am too. You're you're but you're a conscientious. <laughs> For years. Yeah, you're a conscientious yeah. vegan. But we've had done a show with you about how hard you yeah. work to make sure that you get all of the the things you need in a vegan diet. Right, right. I don't even think it's so much the diet that's influencing that. I think it's the people that he's been exposed to as a result of getting onto the diet. Because the the feminist movement has has basically hijacked the animal rights movement. So you go to any animal rights event, let's say a conference where they're talking about issues that I find important, there'll always be some feminist who tries to get in there and steer everything in that direction. Going, well, yeah, we need to focus on improving women's rights and then we'll improve this. So I think he's being exposed to that kind of people. Also, he lives in Los Angeles, all right? Los Angeles has a lot of that element as well, especially now, post-pandemic. So I thought those, those statements were completely idiotic. I don't know where he's getting this bad advice from. But it also it also is a very convenient thing to say because it falls into this whole, see, James Cameron gets it. He understands toxic masculinity. Well, I'll tell you what. The most badass men I know are the nicest people you'll ever meet. Always. Okay, there's an organization I support called Project Child Save. The founder is Ty Ritter. Now, what Project Child Save do is they go rescue kids 
from the horrors of human trafficking, sex slavery, the worst things, worst imaginable things you can happen. Kids all over the world are in this situation and nobody cares. The media is not talking about it. People are not talking about it. Everybody's talking about which pronouns we should use. While meanwhile, there's millions of kids that are slaves subject to immense suffering. Now, here's an organization of men with all former very elite military backgrounds who have said, we're going to do something about this. We're going to fly into another country, surreptitiously risk our own lives, potentially get killed or imprisoned to save kids that we don't even know. We don't know these kids. They're not relatives of them. Now, this, the, so these, these kind of guys embody the best in masculinity. And let's be honest here. It's not women that are going and doing this. I'm not saying that there aren't women that are qualified to do this. Okay. I'm not saying that, but it's not, I don't hear about a group of women that are flying around the world, rescuing kids the way these guys are. So is that toxic masculinity too? Is this, this, how do you, how do you frame that? Now, to me, these are the most masculine guys you'll ever meet. And if you meet them in person, they're the nicest guys you'll ever meet. They're the last people that will start trouble with anyone. I've met people that have been in serious military operations where they've killed people in battle. You know, sometimes a lot of people in battle and you meet them. You're like, wow, this, this person's so chill. Yeah. This person's so nice because these guys have seen the extremes in life. They don't have to overcompensate for anything. What people don't realize is this toxicity behavior is men that are trying to overcompensate. These men who act really inappropriately towards women, these are guys who never got attention from women when they were younger. So now they're in this position of power and they're flipping the script. Look, I remember as a kid flying on Pan Am. My dad worked for the U.S. We flew all over the world. I remember on flying on Pan Am Airlines. I was probably seven or eight years old. And I remember seeing the way that men would talk to the flight attendants. They would have their arm around their waist. They're touching them and so forth. I remember women would walk by in the aisles and sometimes guys would slap their backside and all that. And these women felt like they had to accept they just felt These women felt like they had to tolerate that. That was the times. That stuff is completely unacceptable. That stuff should go away. Now, that's the good side of some of this Me Too stuff is that women have put up with a lot of inappropriate behavior from men for a long time. But my point is, is that that kind of behavior is not predicated on the fact that these are men or male, biological males. It's, it's their, their behavior has nothing to do with the fact that they're men. They're, they're just deplorable people. You know, and the reality is most of those were businessmen, powerful businessmen, controlling lives, running companies. You don't right. like the, the funny thing that what, what you said is I have a, a couple good friends that were special operators. And when you look at them, they're not muscular. They're not, you right. know, he men looking. Right. These guys are wiry looking. These guys are like the real guys that go out there and do the tough jobs, you know, and, and people don't understand that. It, look, I started working out because I was 330 pounds and I wanted to change my life. I never worked out because wow. I wanted to be intimidating. I didn't never wanted right. to be strong right. because I wanted to be intimidating. I would want to be strong so that I can achieve to see what it feels like to be that strong as a human being. That was, that was it. And, the guys who want to get jacked because they want to be intimidating, first of all, a lot of women don't like that. So if you're doing it for women, you're wrong because all you're going to do is get accolades from your bros that go, man, your biceps look right. great. But yeah. the, like, don't yeah. do it for women. Do it because you feel that there's a need to to learn how strong you can get and explore that 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 horizon. But don't do it because you think that it, people are going to – because I know a lot of guys that – you could be 330 pound bodybuilder and they look like wiry guys, like I was just saying, and they'll kill you. Yeah. Like, I don't care how much yeah. muscle you have. They'll kill you. That's it. Right. 
So you're doing right. it for the wrong there's reason. A big, there's, there's a big difference between what you can do in the gym and fighting ability. And that's why sometimes people overestimate someone's fighting ability. They'll see a guy who has a lot of muscle. And they're like, man, I don't want to mess with that guy. That guy might not be able to fight out of a paper bag. It's the people that don't look like it that you should be concerned about. I remember talking to this guy at a gas station, and he described himself as, look, I look like Opie, right? He had, he had red hair. He looked like that kid in that Andy Griffin show. And, but this guy was lethal. He had a very high level of Muay Thai background. But he said because nobody takes him seriously, he gets into fights all the time. Yeah, right. people trying to talk to his girlfriend right in front of him and all that. And this guy's lethal. He just beats up people easily. Right. But because of the way he looks, he has to get into fights all the time. So it's great that he knows how to fight. You know? But it would be even better if he projected a certain look so that he wouldn't have to use that skill set all yeah. the time. But my point is, is that you know, you never know what someone's abilities are. You can look at some geeky guy who works at Office Depot, and that guy could be a black belt in jiu-jitsu. You know, he could be someone that's taken – who's competed in Muay Thai and overseas. You never know what someone's background is. Right. And just because someone's big and muscular, that does, that means they're strong in the context of lifting weights. They may not be strong in other contexts. Exactly. And it, and it, doesn't, say, it doesn't say anything about fighting ability. Exactly. How much weight you can lift has no correlation to fighting ability. So let's just start there. But I, I like what you said about – I got into weight training for a very similar reason. I wanted to be strong because I was very weak at the time. When I was in high school, I was extremely unhealthy. I was drinking a lot. I was basically an alcoholic. I was doing a lot of drugs. I didn't participate in any sports. I didn't lift weights, nothing. Now, years later in therapy, I realized that a lot of this behavior came from the fact that I, I went through serious abuse when I was a child. I went through some serious sexual abuse when I was a child, and that's why I'm so passionate about rescuing kids from this horrible situation in human trafficking and all that. But what I realized is that I understood at a very young age the repercut, the, the ramifications of being weak, not being able to defend yourself. Now, there's no way for a five-year-old kid to be able to defend himself, but that's not the point. The point is, is that you don't want to let yourself ever be in that weak situation again when you can do something about it. So when I was 18, I, I had this strong drive to get strong. I remember the first time I tried bench pressing, my father bought me one of those weeder sets, the ones where if concrete. you put 150 pounds on one end, the whole thing flips. The, right? the, the concrete so anyway, ones and the plastic liners? Yeah. The, yeah. No, it, wasn't, it wasn't. Yeah, no, it was actually cast iron, but okay. it was it was very nascent. It was very rudimentary. But I remember I remember I put 140 pounds on it. I'm pretty sure it was 140 pounds. It's a bench press, and I got pinned with it, and I had to let the weight slide on one side or the other. And I remember I was so mad that I was so weak at that point, and that just lit a fire under me where I, I couldn't wait to get strong. And honestly, I've never stopped lifting since then. That was that was when I was 18. I'm going to be 50 soon. So, I've, And then once you get strong, it's very addictive, not because you want to bully other people or dominate other people or you can't wait for someone to ask you how much you can lift so you can – show everyone how much stronger than everyone else you are. None of those things. It's just that just being strong is very empowering. It actually improves every other facet of your life. I don't think I would have gone on to achieve anything if I didn't have that basis in fitness. Because when you learn how to make discipline. your body strong, when you learn how to build muscle, yeah, you're creating a discipline. The same way you build physical strength, the same mechanism you use is how you build a business or how you improve any facet of your life. And it shows you, it's like, wow, I used to be really weak. Now everyone looks at me like I'm really strong. I changed, I changed, I transformed my whole body. What else can I transform now? Now maybe I can transform my mental health. Maybe I can transform my mental acuity. Maybe I can transform my finances. Maybe I can be more confident talking to women now. I used to be a really shy guy. I wouldn't talk to a woman if I'd be sweating bullets if I tried to talk to a woman at a certain stage in my life. 
But after I got strong physically, I got over other fears, such as public speaking. I used to have a big fear of public speaking like everybody does. Now I could do it. Now someone could wake me up in the middle of the night and say, hey, can you talk to these 500 people about this? And I'd be like, yeah, sure, no problem. So I think that's why I don't like this whole self-love movement, because it's basically saying accept yourself the way you are. And my attitude is, yeah, you can accept yourself the way you are if you actually like the way you are. And I'm being I mean, genuinely like the way you are, not just lying to yourself. But if there are things you don't like about yourself, why not try to improve those things? And nothing is going to empower you more than actually taking action to improve things. You know, it's funny. Um, it's funny what you said, because when I when I had to redirect my efforts to save my own life at third at forty nine years, was it? Yeah, I was, was thirty nine. Thirty nine years old wow. is wow. when I was it thirty nine. No, maybe I was. Yeah, I was turning forty. When I turned 40 is when I had my uh, heart problem. I was 330 pounds. And when I redirected my efforts to change my life, I found out that getting stronger was going to help my heart a lot. And I had a lot of people try to dissuade me. You know, don't do that. You don't want to lift weights and stuff. And I, I looked at the research, and the research showed that if I started lifting weights, I could remodel my heart and make it better. And it worked, and it worked. I was supposed to, I was being told that I was going to need a, a pacemaker. At that young age. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I was a fat fuck. I mean, I was huge. I, I yeah. mean, it was hard. Yeah. I was the average American slogging through life. That's what I was. Young children. Did, did anyone tell you, did, did any medical professional tell you that you should lose weight? Um, yes. So Dr. Jim Swift, okay. my primary physician, said, look, man, it, you just got to eat less. That's it. And I remember when he said it for some <laughs> reason, like, oh, that's what I'm, <laughs> that's what I got to do. But he's also the one that told me not to pursue powerlifting because I should have my insurance paid up before I started doing that. And, you know, he's a, he, he, would, he, he knew what he knew, and that was it. And that was fine. I, right. I didn't care about that. But the reality is that I once said on this show, probably five or six years ago, I said I was nothing until I was strong. And I think a lot of people misunderstood what I meant by that. And I had some really strong – there's a guy named Jance. I can't think of his last name right now, but he and his wife – a power, were power lifters. And he said, dude, man, why did you say that? And what I really meant when I said that was I never learned what I was capable of until I pursued the noble pursuit of getting strong. Noble, learning to become strong is noble. It, it harkens back to the Greco-Roman times when we put value in strong people. So people strive to be strong. And it changed my life. It wasn't that the muscle changed my life, but the acquisition of doing something repetitively, learning how to do it better, discovering nuances of doing it, and transforming my life from death door to a guy who was back then squatting, able to squat 700 pounds. That was transformative. It wasn't the weight. It was that I could do it. And that's why I mean what I meant when I said I was nothing till I was strong. Yeah, it has such a powerful transformative outcome when you have the courage to go down this road. I think it, it can be a trap for some people. Just to, just to, the flip side of that is I know people that are extremely strong in the gym, but they live at home with their parents. I'm talking about grown men here. Yeah. And they have no confidence outside of their strength. Like I know guys that are crazy strong in the gym, but they don't have any self-belief in other areas. And, I, and I, I always feel really disheartened when I see that because I go, man, why can't you make the connection? You did it in this arena. Why can't you transfer it here and here and here? But sometimes there's a disconnect. And these are the people that spend as much time in the gym as possible because it's where they feel most confidence. They go in there and they're working out and they're socializing. 
that's where they and everyone looks at them like, wow, you know, you're so strong, you're amazing. But outside of that context, they're very weak. So sometimes it can be a trap too. I think the best you get out of physical training is that it's not even the physical training and the benefits of being strong. It's what it empowers you to do in other areas of your life. Absolutely. Now you can be, yeah, now you can be, let, let's say you care about causes. Now you're going, okay, I, I want to, I, I, I developed myself physically. Now I want to develop myself financially so I can take care of myself. And then I can support all these different causes that I care about. You know, that's another form of strength. So I think it's the lessons learned there are very important in and of itself, but it's when you take it to other arenas that it really empowers your life. And I think that I don't understand why men don't want, I don't, I, here's the thing. I don't even understand why men are not motivated, need motivation to be strong. Why do you need motivation to be strong? When I was a kid, I used, to, I was watching movies such as Rocky three, Rocky four, Predator. You had these serious alpha type characters on movies, aliens. You know, I, I couldn't, I, I mean, you're just being bombarded with that. Quite. I want to be like those guys. I want to be like that. No, no, and no, now no. it seems like it's the opposite. You know what the problem is? And, and then I want to plug your, your 10 year anniversary and then take a break. And when I come back from the break, I want okay. to talk about yeah. saving uh, children. Okay. I want to get into that with you. So yeah, yeah. I'd love to. I, I did a show in 2007 with a, a scientist who published a study discussing vocal disinhibition, which is basically grunting. So grunting not only develops about three to five percent more strength, but it requires, as the word says, disinhibition. Most people are inhibited. In order to be as strong as you want to be, you have to make other people feel uncomfortable when you display your mm. strength. And I think more people want to be part of the crowd. Sadly, the crowd is sick and weak than to be act disinhibited. Dis in a base, I can't even pronounce it. Thank you. Thank you. But, but the reality is that, that people don't want to display strength because they make other people feel uncomfortable. Whole gym chains are right. built on this. Planet Fitness, the, they, they don't yeah. judge you, they say, but they actually do because if you go yeah. in there and you're strong, they kick you out. So right. disinhibition right. is part of being strong and most people don't want to display strength because then they're not part of the, the, the continuum, the, the larger group. That's my, yeah. my opinion. Yeah. That really is. Well, the anti-bullying behavior, the, the anti-bullying movement has now become another bullying movement to a different segment of the population. That's the irony right there, like what you said about Planet Fitness. Wow, that's nice. Thanks, Matt Beatty. Matt Beatty says two of the best here. Michael. Oh, yeah, I see that. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Matt. Appreciate that. So I want to just plug something first, and then we're going to take a break. And I'm, I'm asking everybody to stick with us because we're going to get into some really, really cool shit in a little while. But before we do that, this is the 10-year anniversary of Mike Mahler's testosterone booster, which has been a huge product for him, very successful. When a product sticks around without advertising, there's a reason. It's because people keep buying it. Uh, if you go to shrnetwork.biz slash Mahler's, M-A-H-L-E-R-S hyphen aggressive hyphen strength, you'll see two products there, the testosterone booster and also the estrogen control product. They work hand in hand, don't they, Mike? Yeah, they do. And the, the, the EC is only really needed for someone who has really high estrogen levels because aggressive strength has moderate estrogen control properties inherently as well. But many people have, they convert way too much testosterone to estrogen and that's where taking both together will have a, a really additive effect. And if you go to shrnetwork.biz slash Mahler's hyphen aggressive hyphen strength and use the code SHR, you'll save 10% off. Give it a try. We're going to take a quick commercial break. 
When we come back, we're going to talk about saving children from trafficking. This is a big deal today, and the media pretty much ignores it. There's a reason for that. Stay with yeah. us. We'll be right back with more of Mike Mueller. Merrick Health is a premium telehealth platform that connects customers with partnered providers from the comfort of your home. Merrick provides concierge service with your very own patient care provider as your health advocate. You'll go over all your needs and goals from improving sexual function, hair loss prevention, increased muscle, fat loss, and overall improved performance. Prescribed treatment options can be ordered and shipped directly to you if you meet the requirements. All from the comfort of your home. Go to shrnetwork.biz slash Merrick Health. That's M-A-R-E-K-H-E-A-L-T and order your comprehensives and get 10% off with code SHR. Don't forget to add the lab analysis to have results reviewed with potential over-the-counter supplements or treatment recommendations. That's shrnetwork.biz slash health and use code SHR at checkout. Or order your own desired labs with code SHR and get 10% off your first lab order. Hey guys, it's time to change your f***ing underwear and it's time to change to sheath sheaths underwear's revolutionary designs allows your man parts to hang the way they would naturally hang if you were not wearing underwear and this improves the blood flow throughout the day to the twigs and berries if you've never experienced wearing a pair of sheath underwear boy is there an exciting experience waiting for you grab a pen and write this down go to shrnetwork.biz slash sheath that's s H-E-A-T-H. And use the code SUPERHUMAN to save 20% off your first pair. And get this, if you're not completely satisfied, send them back for a full refund. That's shrnetwork.biz slash sheath. Great sleep upgrades you on virtually every level. Body fat, muscle mass, mood, brain function, and countless other ways. But taking melatonin alone isn't the answer. Thanks to a brand new sleep formula developed by my friends at Bioptimizers, you can experience the best night's sleep ever. Sleep Breakthrough is a delicious sleep drink that supports your natural melatonin production and relaxation without creating a dependency so you can have the best night's sleep on demand. It targets five different sleep pathways to give you the best sleep ever. And best of all, you'll wake up feeling feeling rested and rejuvenated so that you can have the best day possible. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to sleepbreakthrough.com slash SHR and use the code SHR10 for 10% off. Plus, you can unlock special gifts with the value of at least $20. This is a limited time offer, so go to sleepbreakthrough.com forward slash SHR right now. Hey, this is Carl Lenore. I am the inventor of Gunleash. Over half a million handguns are lost in the United States every year. If you carry a gun like I do, you are 300 times more likely to lose your gun. And 15% of those guns will end up in criminals' hands and used in the commission of a crime. Gunleash solves that problem. Gunleash is a patented, no-tracking proximity device the size of a postage stamp. It will alert you as soon as your gun is outside of your range, so you can never leave your gun behind. To learn more and to be notified, 
when Gunleash is available at the end of January, go to gunleash.com and get on our mailing list. Gunleash. Never lose your gun, never leave your gun. Millions of people know that shrewd food is the smartest way to snack. Ever get that craving for crunchy snacks, but don't want to eat all those empty carbs? Well, instead of puffed corn or wheat, like most snacks, shrewd food puffs protein powder. This gives these crazy efficient macros. Two grams of carbs, 14 grams of protein. That's as high as 67% protein. And with only 90 calories. So knock out the carbs, but keep the amazing flavor and crunch you're looking for. Shrewd food is now available at Walmart and Sprouts. Or go to shrnetwork.biz slash shrewd food and use the code SHR25 for 25% off your order. This is the Superhuman Channel, where brawn and brains finally meet. Welcome back. Excuse me, we're talking with Mike Mahler today about a lot. Yes. Is, is my audio coming through okay to you? It's coming through now. It was choppy for a second, but it's coming through now. I got a bad switch on this board, and I'm not buying another board because if I'm if everything works <laughs> out. No, I'm, I'm going to be off the air within two months. That's my plan. I was going to wait to the end of the year, but I just am I'm missing out on too many opportunities with Gun Leash that I got us to get focused. So it was Jance Footit, F-O-O-T-I-T, who emailed me back then, and I re- remember now because I looked at the message, it was because I was sick. I wasn't feeling good, and I wasn't strong like I was. I I was in a, one of these funks. I don't remember if it was when my foot surgery, the first one happened, and he said, like, you can't stop doing the show. Nobody cares how strong you are. We need you because of all the information you <laughs> And, you know, and I really appreciated yeah. that. That that really, I felt that when he said that. And, but I will still go on record and saying that I, I I was nothing before I learned how to become strong because that has permeated every area of my life. And I'll leave it with that. Yeah. Let's talk about child yeah. trafficking. I mean, we hear a lot of it, but we don't hear much of it on the media at all. What's going on and what do you do? What are you involved in? Well, I don't think we hear about it much in the media because people in the highest levels of government, financial institutions, any powerful entity – there are there are people that are complicit with this. At the very least, they're actually consumers of this kind of stuff, or they're actually making money with it. That's why we don't hear about it. If we're going to be perfectly blunt about it. Now, here's the thing: you look at criminal organizations. Drugs is, of course, their number one income source. Number two is human trafficking. Now, when people hear that, they go, "That's terrible." But you have to think about this: why is child slavery? And child sexual abuse, child pornography, child sexual abuse, why is this the number two income source? It's because there's extremely high demand for this, as much as we hate to admit. There are lots of people in all segments of society, every ethnic group, every socioeconomic class, every educational background. There are, pe- there are pedophile-type people in every facet of society. So there is a very high demand for this. Otherwise, these criminal organizations, they just want to make money. Yeah. They're not thinking, oh, yeah, they're not thinking, oh, we hate kids. Let's just go kidnap kids. They're not going to go kidnap kids unless they're going to make a lot of money off of it. Mm-hmm. They, they look at them as a product. They go, okay, let's go get this kid at this park because so-and-so over here is willing to pay $10,000 to do all kinds of heinous stuff to this child. So that's the problem right there is, one, there are people making a ton of money off of this. They don't want it to stop because they're making a ton of money. And then there are people that are complicit with this. Either they're actually consumers of this kind of stuff or they're 
they're making money off it too. And I, I guarantee you that in both political parties, the Democrat Party and the Republican mm-hmm. Party and any other political party, there are people in those parties that are complicit with this stuff. I guarantee it. Well, one of the things I've learned about about pedophilia in, in general, um, so there was a doctor in the early 90s named John Bradshaw, and he talked about family dynamics, and he was very intelligent. You don't hear about him anymore. anymore. I don't know why. Um but one of the things he revealed is uh, pedophilia is kind of like vampire. Like you are bitten and then you bite. And the largest segment of pedophiles have been abused as children at the hands of their uncles, their fathers, their mothers, whoever. And once they are stimulated that way sexually, then they 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 want to feel it again because a lot of times the people who are are, are abusing them – are loved ones and they miss they misdirect these activities as a form of love and they want to feel yeah. that love later on in life and they then they, they abuse so if that's true if in fact these people are pedophiles and then they abuse and they contribute to this child trafficking like we they need uh, look they need to be put in jail if they're breaking laws we can all agree with that but they need yeah. more if the if the recidivism rate isn't going to be reduced it's not going to be reduced unless these people right. undergo some extreme psychological work where they understand that that father that did that to you did not love you. This is not a form of love. Right. It's no different than obesity, right. right? If you're obese because you grew up in a family where everybody ate and that's love to you, then you're going to be obese when you get out of that family and you're going to continue to perpetrate right. and you're going to pass it on to your kids. So I agree with you. It's a big problem. Bigger than most of us know. Like I used to make jokes. I was I was raised Catholic, and I was an altar boy when I was young. And whenever we talk about that, I always say, "But I don't understand what was wrong with me. The priest never wanted to have sex with me." Like like a joke. <laughs> like what was wrong with me? Yeah. You know. But the reality is that that stuff was going on when I was a yeah. kid in the churches. It was going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, with what you're saying about pedophiles, Ty Ritter of Project Child Save, he's studied this in depth. He has a book, My Body, My Own, that goes into great details. It's, it's a tough read. But he basically said there's two kinds of pedophiles. There, there are pedophiles that are they, – they're wired to be this way, meaning that it wasn't learned behavior. They're just wired to be that mm-hmm, way. Mm-hmm. Actually, there's three kinds of pedophiles. So, but, so, And then there's pedophiles that he calls the good pedophiles, and here's what he means by it. They're wired to be attracted to kids, but they know it's wrong. So they don't act on it and they get help with it. The problem is when you try to get help and you even admit that you have these kind of predilections, often authorities are brought into it. You're basically criminalized. So that makes it difficult for people to come forward and say, look, this is this is the way I feel. I know it's wrong. What can I do? How can I get help? Right. So that's one segment. Now, the other are people that have an attraction to kids, sexual attraction to kids, but they justify it. They, they rationalize. They're saying, oh, I'm doing this kid a favor. I'm going to show this kid how to love. I'm doing this kid a favor. Now, the segment you're talking about, people that have been abused, okay, I'm one of those kids, so I can speak about this personally, is you basically have to make – you basically have two choices. One, you embrace compassion fully. You become more compassionate as a result of the abuse you came through, and now you want to help people. One of the main reasons why I have such a strong compassion for kids as well as animals is that I don't like seeing anyone suffer. I don't like seeing animals or kids or anyone suffering or being abused in any way because I understand inherently 
how harmful that is, how painful that is to go through something like that. So for me, I embraced compassion fully. It made me more compassionate. Now, I'm not saying that it hasn't had a deleterious effect on my mental health and other areas. It definitely has. But you can take any negative thing and flip it and, and, and make it a positive. Now, the worst thing that can happen is someone is abused sexually as a child, and now they grow up and continue that. Now, they become the abusers of children. That is the worst case yeah. scenario, and that's, that's 100% tragic. That's horrible. Now, there's no way to justify that. Hey, just because you were abused as a kid does not make it okay for you to go abuse other kids. And in my mind, you should be the last person that would go abuse a kid because you know how destructive that is. You know how painful and detrimental that is. But that's the vicious cycle of abuse. It's like kids who get bullied in school and then they develop a little bit of strength. And what happens now? They become the bully. Right. Now they want to, they're like, look, I want to get strong so that I can be the bully now. <laughs> you know, so I can avoid being bullied and that I get to abuse yeah. other people. Because there is a segment of people that get off on feeling powerful by diminishing others. Yeah, no, I get it. it, it it's amazing. Uh, what, and, and one of the things that's interesting that you talked about, what people don't understand this, there, there, there's a, two Scandinavian scientists um, that I've, I've spoken to years ago. They wouldn't do the show. They didn't want to do the show. They did studies on rodents. And what they did to the rodents was they influenced the, the gestation of the baby rodents by uh, taking rodents and flooding the mother's body with estrogenic compounds early on so that they influenced the formation of the, the, the genitals. And then they took estrogenic compounds and influenced the babies in the what is their, I think they call it the E uh, period, but it's like their, their third trimester where the brain forms. Right. And what they effectively did was manufacture uh, female rodents that were attracted to, attracted to other females and male rodents that were attracted to other males thus effectively creating uh, uh, rodents that were, you know, uh, lesbians and, and, and homosexuals, uh, male, male homosexuals and, and females. And they showed that this is what happens in these cases when the, 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 the mother's estrogen and testosterone and DHT and 5-alpha reductase is fooled with during the gestational period. You end up with uh, – the inappropriate or misaligned penis and brain connections that makes the these poor people I, I say poor and probably I'm gonna get a lot of heat for that. But and so I wanted to do shows about it for years. But what you just pointed out that's very fascinating is there could be uh even a a third result. <clears throat> Instead of having the wrong genitals with the wrong brain formation, we could have the wrong genitals or normal genitals, but the brain formation attracts them to young children, as you're saying, because I never right. thought about that. I always thought it was always you were abused and then you become an abuser, but you're quite right. The same no. way we can make uh, homosexual rodents, we can also make perhaps uh, rodents attracted to young young rodents, you know, pedophilia in yeah. this essence. So that's interesting. I, I, think, I, think, I think it's actually a low percentage of people that have been abused that become abusers. I mean, that's a popular narrative that's often that that's a that's a a, a clickbait topic for an Oprah Winfrey show type thing mm -hmm. that gets people to view. But the, what people don't want to accept is the fact that look, just just as most men are wired to be attracted to women. 
right? They're just, you're just wired that way. That's, that's not learned behavior. You're, you're wired to be attracted to women. Most women are wired to be attracted to men. And then there are some that are wired to be attracted to women and some men are wired to be attracted to men. So following that line of thinking, there are people, as much as we would hate to admit it, that are wired to be attracted to kids. Right Now, like, like Ty Ritter said, the good ones know that's wrong and they don't act on it. And they do everything they can. They get all the help they need to avoid acting on it. But then there are others who go, hey, this is the way I feel and I feel perfectly justified. Look, there, there are cultures, okay? There are countries where grown, it's socially acceptable for grown men to have sex with young boys. Yes. Okay? In, Afga- in Afghanistan, this is, right. now, I'm not saying everybody participates in this, but it's something that's out in the open. They don't try to hide this in the shadows. Like right. in America, they have to hide it in the shadows. They have to keep this, because if you're labeled as a pedophile, it's, it's, it's horrendous to your reputation. But in certain parts of the world, this is completely socially acceptable behavior. In fact, abstinence from women, having sex with women, has given some of these countries you're talking about that, like, well, I can have sex with boys. Like, God doesn't look down on right. me. I know. You're exactly right. 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 Um, so the, the reality is it's a very complex problem, and the answers are complex as well. But we should be – we can't work on it until the friggin' mainstream media – and everybody comes out and says, we realize there's a problem. That's the problem. The cover-up of it, yeah. is, it just keeps it, it perpetuates it. That's all it does. Well, I think the biggest the biggest problem is there are a lot of powerful people making a ton of money off of this industry. That's the biggest problem right there is because you always have to follow the money. Anytime someone's making a lot of money off something, they don't want anything to come in and change that, whatever it is, whatever industry it is. So people will fight change tooth and nail when it affects their bottom line, when it affects their money. Now, who owns these news organizations? Big, powerful companies own these news organizations, and they clearly influence what is allowed to be discussed. So that's the kind of that's the reason. Also, I will say this, though. I have brought up this topic to regular folks. And nothing will get people to change the subject faster than this topic. Now, I get that it's a very dark topic. It's, it's not fun uncom- to talk about. It's uncomfortable. But the, the, average per- the average person does not want to talk about this. It makes them extremely uncomfortable. And they never ask me, when I talk about Project Child Safe, I've had maybe one person go, hey, how do I support that organization? And most of the time they go, oh, that's terrible. And then they just move right on. Because the other sad reality is, is that most people don't care about kids that are not their own. This is just the sad reality. So if it's happening to some kid in some third world country, if it's happening to some kid in India or it's happening to some kid in South America, people go, well, that's too bad, but that's their problem. Now, if your kid gets kidnapped and thrown into the situation, all of a sudden it's a problem now. So that's the other thing, too, is that for the most part, it's not kids in first world countries that are being affected by this. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't kids that are kidnapped and put into this. In fact, one point Ty Ritter made is sometimes these kids go missing in America and the body is never found. His theory is that these bo- these kids are now in another country, never to be seen again. Mm. They weren't killed. They were trafficked. So they're in another country, never to be seen again. So that's one possibility right there. So what can that, people that's do? Why, what can, how can people help support uh, th- this uh, organization? Well, they can go to projectchildsafe.org. And Ty Ritter's been on my show many times. So if people go to my website, Mike Mahler, and just put in Ty Ritter. He's been on the Live Life Aggressively podcast several times. I've, I'm always, any chance I get to talk about Project Child Save or Ty, I always do. And then when you hear his, when you hear him talk about this, you know, this is a guy who's seen the worst in humanity. This is, you know, he's not making up stuff. He's either, he's either an Academy Award winning actor or he's telling the truth. And I believe the latter. 
So go to projectchildsave.org. You can make a donation there or you can spread the word about something like this. Listen to those episodes and then check out his book, My Body, My or My Body, My Choice, or it's I'll send it to you after. I think I'm pretty sure it's my body, my choice. The other thing I want to mention, and, those of you who are looking at this from a political standpoint, I am willing to bet that the children that are abducted are coming from the low, uh, the less served areas of the country, the, the, the Brooklyn's, the Detroit's, the, because these kids are out on their own. Their parents, for whatever reason, yeah. aren't really supportive. And, and when those kids go missing, Nobody, nobody talks about it, right? If the kid goes, you know, Jean Benet yeah. Ramsey, we're still talking about her, right? Like who killed her and like all these years later. Yeah. But these poor kids that have no voice at all, that's, that, that's the crop that these, uh, these people who, who play the, 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 this game with children's lives, that's where they're getting them from. So if you're not pissed off that your city is being run by politicians, who year after year don't make your city better, but make it worse because, and we're going to talk about this in a minute. Uh, you know, the, the, the circus, the charade, you know, look at the balloon, yeah. look over here, don't look over here. Like if, if you live in one of those towns, it's not just the economic impact of living there and the horrible life, but that's where they're plucking these children from because nobody cares. Well, two, two points on that because th- this will be interesting for you to hear. Two points on that. Number one is that the number one commodity in this industry are Blue-eyed, blonde-haired girls, and then blue-eyed, blonde-haired boys. Okay, so those are the ones that bring in the most money. Now, you're not going to find kids that fall into that description in the inner city for the most part. So they're going to go to neighborhoods like where I live, over here in Seven Hills. Mm -hmm. That's why a lot of people feel that they're protected in neighborhoods like this. And my attitude is you should never feel that safe, especially when when you have your kids with you as well. You should always be situationally aware. A little bit of paranoia is healthy because... These pedophiles are so good. Like Ty Ritter told me that he profiled some of these pedophiles and they said that if, if an organization comes to them and says, look, we will pay you $10,000 to get a blonde hair, blue eyed girl, they will go, they can go get that kid within minutes. That's how, that's how good they are at it. But the number one reason is, is because people in well developed neighborhoods or economically affluent neighborhoods, they feel safe. They feel way too safe. So you, I see this all the time. Interesting. Parents with their kids at the playground where I go walking my dogs and the mom's looking at her phone, her kids 50 yards over here doing something or other. That's all it takes for a, ped- a pedophile needs about two seconds to grab your kid, throw it in a van and be gone. That's how fast it can happen. So don't feel like you're protected in affluent neighborhoods. And also you have to realize that if you have a blonde hair, a blue eyed girl or boy, those are the number one. Tar- those are the biggest money makers for these organizations. Those are the most sought after. That there, there, there are people that have a predilection for any kind of kid. So kids in the inner city are, are targets as well. But you have to realize that you are not safer as a result of being in the, in terms of being targeted when you're living in an affluent neighborhood. Yeah, I stand corrected. You're right. They, 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 they <laughs> like you know how it is. Like there's a there's a open season on Acuras, or there's they, that they go wherever right. those cars are, and they just start. To, you're right. right. You're right. Because it's all it's all about money. That's the biggest problem here. Is like what can people do? The problem is is as long as people are making a ton of money off of this, so there's a demand and a supply. So as long as there's a demand, someone's going to supply it. And there's not, and there's nothing anyone can do about it as long as that's the, the, the way things are playing out. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to shift it up and we're going to talk about the current state of this category that we've occupied for years, and that is health and fitness and the yeah. effects of influencers. 
Like when I started doing this show, we, Mike and I talked, I didn't want to influence anybody. I wanted to share information yeah. and let people take what they wanted. But now you have to be an influencer. And what does that mean and how is it changing the message of health and fitness? Let's, let's take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. We'll pick it up on the other side. Don't forget, you can ask questions. We're ready and we're waiting. So. Dogs should be powered by fat and protein, not carbs. That's why Visionary Pet makes low-carb, ketogenic dog food for dogs of all breeds and life stages. From kibble to freeze-dried and even low-carb treats, all Visionary Pet recipes are very low-carb, ketogenic, and made with 100% real meat protein. Shop now and use code SHR for 20% off your first order today. Your dog deserves the lifelong benefits of optimal nutrition. Make the switch to Visionary and see why smart dogs eat low-carb. Remember those rectangular toaster pastries you used to love when you were a kid? Well, Legendary Foods has just made them better. The new cake-style tasty pastry is like nothing you've ever had before. With 20 grams of high-quality protein and less than one gram of sugar, you'll feel like you're cheating, but you're not. Go to shrnetwork.biz slash legendary and use the code SHR10 to save to save 10% off your purchase of tasty pastries. Now available in cookies and cream, red velvet cake, birthday cake, blueberry, strawberry, brown sugar cinnamon, and hot fudge sundae. Go to shrnetwork.biz slash legendary and use code SHR10 today. There are lots of concerns about food supply today. That's why you need White Oak Pastures. White Oak Pastures will deliver food right to your doorstep. You don't even have to go out and be disappointed by shopping in grocery stores. The finest beef, pork, lamb, duck, and more can be found at White Oak Pastures. And now they even have seafood. And best of all, White Oak Pastures has a negative carbon food footprint, which means that you don't have to feel guilty for eating your ribeye. Go to shrnetwork.biz slash white oak and use the code superhuman to save 15% off. For 17 years, I've heard promises of devices and gadgets that could eliminate chronic pain. I live with chronic pain. I live with sciatic nerve pain. It varies from just annoying to debilitating. I love to ride my motorcycle. I ride it every day if I can. And obviously, my motorcycle doesn't treat my lumbar spine good. I got the Kylo patch, and I promised to give it a try, but I got to be honest with you, I thought it was bullshit. But I did what I was instructed. Find the right spot over the pain. You'll feel the pain start to go away. Leave it there and go about your business. And I did that. And that day, I got on my motorcycle, and I rode for about three hours. It was a Saturday. I came home that day, got off my bike, and had no back pain. That's rare. In fact, in fact, it's impossible. How could that be? Well, the technology is legit. And I can tell you right now, if you give Kylo a try, you'll find that you don't have to live with chronic pain. Check it out. Go to shrnetwork.biz slash go Kylo. That's G-O-K-A-I-L-O. Use code SHR30 for 30% off. This is the Superhuman Channel. Evolution just got kicked up a notch. Welcome back. So, Mike, at what point in your career did you say, I want to be an influencer? <laughs> never, never. Never I'm happy to say. You know what's funny is I've had people tell me that I should pay different influencers to plug my products. They go, yeah, you can, some of these influencers with 50,000 followers, you can just pay them a couple hundred bucks and they'll talk about how great your product is. But here's one. Here's something. Even if that's effective, that's not the way I do business. 
all the testimonials you see on my website, those are real people who paid for my products. I don't pay anyone to say anything about my products. I'm not going to pay someone to talk about how great my testosterone booster is because, number one, I don't have to. The product actually works. So the majority of people who take it love it. And I get testimonials all day long from real people. So I'm not going to pay some influencer with the big falling. Now, if an influencer happens to use my product and they want to talk about it organically, great. Now, my attitude is if you want to make money off my product, become an affiliate or become a, become a wholesaler. But I'm not going to pay you for nothing. I never liked that. Even in my business, I always did everything on my own. When I used to teach seminars, I would book the venues and I would get all the registrations. I never expected anyone to pay me for anything. But here's the thing. I, I knew exactly what I was worth teaching courses because every dollar could be quantified. Even now with my business, every dollar I make can be quantified. So what I make per year, that's exactly what I'm worth. I could go to a company and say, if you want me to work for you, you're going to have to pay me this. And they would laugh me right out. They would be like, hey, the CEO here doesn't even make that much right, money. Right. I go, but hey, this is what I'm worth because I, no one's just sending me money for nothing. They're sending me money because they're buying a product or a service. So every single dollar is quantified. So this whole this whole influencer world we're in right now is a lot of these influencers with big followings, they make a lot of money just being shells for products. What I can't stand is just mushroom coffee, for example. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had a big rant on that because I see so many people that are – I mean, I'm not a trainer anymore, but what the people that are my peers that I know from the training world – plugging this going hey check out i just had my mushroom coffee this morning this stuff's amazing use my coupon code to get a distant to get a discount i go this mushroom coffee you say is amazing it's instant coffee so it's garbage coffee with a proprietary blend of different mushrooms so we don't even know what the dosage is and some of these ingredients are actually good ingredients but we don't know how much is in it so it's, it's probably nowhere near an efficacious dosage but my point is is that People will shell out. It's amazing how little it takes to buy people off. You don't have to blow a lot of money. You can send someone a couple hundred bucks and they'll plug your product. But my attitude is that's it's it's that's not the way I want to do business. I, I want I want to do I want people buying my product because they believe it's actually going to work, not because some influencer said it's great. And I want them to get results. You know, I'm not looking for one hit wonders with my supplement business. I'm not trying to get a million people to buy at once and then right. I retire and go off into the sunset right. like a lot of these fly by night companies that we're all well too aware of. I actually, I actually designed a product that I want people to get good results with because I got great results with it. I want people to benefit from it. So, um, I never thought about being an influencer. I never thought about being a thought leader. Those those words never came into my mind all the years I've done this show. In fact, I I, I often thought to myself, these people that – so there's, there's two types of, of – uh, in this category of health, fitness, and, and to a degree anti-aging. We have two groups of people. We have people who – repeat things that they hear from other people. They'll repeat things they heard from Peter Atia. They'll repeat things that they're, yeah. you know, yeah. oh, mouth taping, it's all the thing. And like, this is six years yeah. after I did the first mouth taping. And I, I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm probably a little, um, pissed off that I'm, I'm not more popular as a show. I'm going to be honest. Like, I, I wish sure. I was more popular, sure. but the reason I wish I was more popular is because I think that, we work hard to spread really good information before anybody else. Like we just did a plasma phoresis and plasma dilution with the Convoy Lab in, in at UCL uh, UC uh, San Francisco. Like this is this is breaking news. Nobody's talking about this. They will. 
And no one will ever credit me. They'll never say, well, I heard this on Carl Lenore's show. Nobody. I mean, uh, Uberman talked about uh, Fedogia. I did the first show on Fedogia in 2006. Uh, I did the, the first show on bovine natalensis in like 2008. Um, and, and you have always said, uh, I learned about this from Anthony Roberts, who learned about it from Carl Lenore. Like, it's just nice to say, you know, the work you're doing is having a, a result. But nobody, yeah. everybody makes everything their own these days and they repeat it. So that's the first group of, of influences. The second group of influences actually is dangerous. This is a group of influence that realize that in order to get people to repeat what I'm saying and, and make me even more popular, I need to come up with the most absurd shit, like the liver king. You know, granted, right. Yeah, right. I, I did, I did, I, look, I did the first show on raw food eating meat with, with Randy Roach and the second one with Randy Roach and, uh, and uh, Joshua Trentine. It was one of the most, my most popular shows, raw food as effective as, uh, anabolic steroids. Nobody talked about that. That was probably 2008, 2009, maybe. Right. And, and did it influence the Liver King? I don't know. I can't say that. But nobody was talking about that shit when I was talking about it. So clearly, it must have sparked a conversation between some people, and maybe something happened. The, 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 what the, 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 the absurdity is that today, in this space, the more ridiculous, the more absurd the claim you make, the more followers you get. Like the, right. like, like the snake diet, the lion diet. I mean, come on, give me a fucking <laughs> break already. Like you're still a human eating these foods. The timing and the choice of food doesn't make you more like a snake than a human. I mean, come on. But I, I'm yeah. tired of it. I'm ready to get the fuck out. I really am. I'm so tired of it. Well, I, I can understand where you come from, but I get it. See, the problem is the average person wants to hear absolutes. So when they, when they hear me talk about this, my testosterone booster, they want me to say, this works for a hundred percent of people. There's no way it's not going to work for you. And this is an alternative to TRT. You don't need TRT. This is all you need. Now, I don't talk like that. I talk in nuances. I, I explain this works for. So if you have low luteinizing hormone, low follicle stimulating hormone, this will stimulate that. And then you have low testosterone. This stimulates that. That'll improve your testosterone. There are some people that don't have that. They have high signaling hormones and then very low testosterone. They're probably not going to respond to it. That person's better off taking TRT. I've actually told people who send me their blood, who send me their blood work, and I say, you know what? I wouldn't spend the money right now. It's just not a good fit for you. And they don't even know what to do with that. Sometimes they get mad. They're like, what are you, what are you trying to say? Your product's too good for me. <laughs> and I, I was like, look, man, I'm trying to be honest with you. I'm telling you, I, I looked at your blood work. I assessed it. I think the likelihood that it's going to be effective is minimal. But what people want to hear is that this works for everybody. They want to talk in absolutes. Now, you've never been a guy that does that. You're not a BS type person. You bring on really good people, but you don't try to, to, to get people to just buy into everything you're saying. You're actually trying to get people that you're provoking thought, and then it's up to the person to determine whether that's a good fit for them. Now, that's a very honorable way to do a show. It's, it shows a lot of integrity, but it's probably not good for business. You know? no. Your number one goal is to get as many people as possible. Believe me, just being as straightforward and honest as you are, me doing the same thing, I'm not going to get the largest following doing that. People want these characters. Look at someone like an Andrew Tate, for example, right? Like Andrew Tate's a very smart guy, but he's playing the game. He knows what to say to get people so irate that he's on all the different shows and his his little 10-second clip about misogyny goes viral to everybody. Now, what he actually believes, no one really knows because he's playing a character. Mm -hmm. Now, he's willing to play that character for whatever end he's going after. 
See, for someone like me and you, I'm not willing to play a character. I'm not going to be this caricature right. of myself. Right. Like, like the way I talk here, the way I talk on my Instagram, if you meet me in person, it's the same thing. Right. It's going to be, there's going to be consistency. I'm not someone going, okay, I'm about to talk on Instagram. Let me go into this character where I wear like a peacock hat or, you know, or something <laughs> like that, have a feather in my ear because I'm trying to be as ostentatious as possible. Right. So that's a problem. But here's what's, here's the, here's what's happening though is, your so your show is such a good source of information that a lot of those people are listening to your show. They don't want to give you credit though, because then people realize, hey, wait a minute, this person really doesn't know that much. They got everything from Carl's show. They're they're petrified. They're petrified of that if people find out that they got the information from you, that all of a sudden the focus is going to go to you and they're going to be left in the dust. It's that scarcity minimalist type mindset. Now, my attitude is always to give credit to people. For, for everything. I don't feel like me telling you, Carl, that, hey, the reason why I came up with this product is because the cornerstone ingredient, Volvine Nanolensis, is the best herb, period, for increasing testosterone. It's way better than Fadogia. Fadogia is good. Volvine's better. That's why Fadogia is not in here because it's redundant. Right, because you could have put it in there. That right. do the same thing. Right. Volvine does, does everything Fadogia does, but it does it better. Now, I may make a separate product with Fadogia and a few other ingredients. I've got some ideas so that people can alternate between the two because you cycle off of herbs. But I don't feel that it diminishes me to give Anthony Roberts credit and to give you credit. If anything, it makes me look like I have more integrity because I'm willing to save sources. Also, your show is so good. Why wouldn't I want people to know that here's where I picked up this information? Right. To no, me, it I... makes the product, it validates the product further. They go, man, this is a great product. Mike's done his research. So it's, it's, it is funny. And I, 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 for a long time, I called myself the Rodney Dangerfield of health and fitness <laughs> podcasting because I get no respect. Like I know people are talking about stuff they heard on my show. And they, 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 they don't give me credit because they don't want to give me credit. And I'm cool with that. Like the reality is I don't care because I'm getting the fuck out of here very shortly and I'm leaving this space completely. <laughs> and I'm, and you know what? The other thing is I'm not willing to say I'm going to live to 160 and that's why I take this vitamin. Like that's right. bullshit. You're not going to live to 160. Yeah. In most cases, yeah. these guys are yeah. in their 40s. I'm 60 fucking four years old. I'm still training heavy. I'm still cognitive. I'm running two businesses right now. And I don't need anybody's credit, but I do need the friendship of people like you because that's where I, I, I see my value, helping and working and contributing to people who pay attention. And that's it. And the rest of them can go fuck themselves. I'm really tired of it. I'm, I, I know... I sound yeah. like a grumpy old man. I'm not grumpy. I'm anxious to exit the space because the, at one time I was proud of this space. And now, not so much. Not so much at all. Well, when I, when I was part of the kettlebell industry, I had a similar similar line of thinking than what you just expressed. Because in, I, I was the first guy to get into the kettlebell industry and get certified and show that you can make a great income as a kettlebell instructor. Nobody was doing what I did back right. then. It was a ground floor opportunity. Now there's thousands of kettlebell instructors doing all kinds of idiocy. And no one ever says, oh, yeah, you know, Mike's the first pioneer for this and all that. Only a few people who are still in the game from back then would say that. And even they don't like to give me credit. So that, that used to bother me, too, back then. It doesn't bother me at all. Now I don't even think about it because I'm not even in that industry anymore. So it doesn't matter. But I, I get what you're saying. But here's here's the here's the good news with what you just said. Rodney Dangerfield was one of the best comedians to ever do it. <laughs> yeah, <right? yeah. laughs> so if you're the Rodney Dangerfield of this industry, that's also a compliment because you are one of the best people to ever do this. And if you're not getting the respect that he he never got the respect he wanted. 
but he's still considered one of the best to ever do it by anyone who loves comedy. Now, Sean Watson says Dragon Door. The reality is that you were more popular than Pavel in the end. No, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. I don't think I was ever more popular than Pavel. Not then, certainly not now in terms of kettlebell training. But Pavel, Pavel was untouchable, meaning that whatever Pavel did, no one saw that as duplicatable. No one saw like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be like Pavel. I'm going to get books published and I'm going to go teach the military. He wasn't accessible. So no one really saw him as aspirational because nobody felt they could achieve what he did. Now, here's me, a regular guy with no official training background other than a kettlebell certification. I don't have a degree in exercise physiology or any of that stuff. So I'm a regular guy who got in this industry. And within a couple of years, I'm making a six-figure income as primarily a kettlebell instructor, teaching seminars all over the world, making kettlebell videos, making writing eBooks, all that stuff. So I think a lot of people looked at me as aspirational because they're going, man, I remember when Mike was just a guy posting on forums. He wasn't even in the business. Right, right. Now he's in Iron Man magazine. Now he's in muscle and fitness. Now he's in muscle. Now he's in all these entities. Now he's flying around the world. He's making videos. He's doing all this stuff. So I think I had a lot of, I mean, there's no, look, anyone who started doing seminars after me was clearly influenced by me, whether they liked me or not, because just look at the, just look at what they called their seminars back then. Mine was always level one beginner, level two advanced. Other people started doing seminars. What did they call it? Level one beginner, you know, level yeah. two advanced. They would go rip off my ad copy because I'm really good at promotion too. I'm really good at writing ad copy. I'm really good at promoting myself. People would literally cut and paste my promotional copy from my workshops and then put it on theirs. You know? But I, I take all of this as a compliment. But very few people went on to have the, the same level of success I had because it wasn't authentic. You know, you got to find your own path. Don't copy my path. You got to carve your own path. Everybody's always waiting for someone else to blaze the trail so then they can just follow. But no, the people that settled in America that went from the East Coast to Montana, a lot of those people didn't make it. They died <laughs> because there wasn't any trail that was blazed from. The ones who did make it went on to be extremely prosperous right. because they developed a serious level of mental toughness to even make it there. Richard Armelli says, absolutely agree with Mike. You're definitely the best in the business. Carl, it's going to be truly sad. Uh, when, well, thank when you, Richard. Off the air, and, and I'm sad about it too. Don't get me wrong, but I got, I got, I have bigger aspirations. Literally, um, gun leash will save lives. Uh, it will make uh, handgun ownership safer in America more so than any laws that they can pass. It'll keep people from losing their guns, which means those guns won't fall into hands of criminals, which means civilians and innocent people won't be shot by those guns. But I have other things that I, I have. A, I have a movie script I've been carrying around with me for the better part of 12 years. And I'm going to, oh, Gunleash cool. is going to give me the opportunity to focus on other things. So, but, uh, you know, I'll be around. I mean, I may do a, a, a hit piece on somebody someday. Now that I don't give a shit if I make money in the space, <laughs> I may I may come out and be like the uh, influencer's worst nightmare. Uh, look, the one the one guy I can't stomach. I love, stom it. I love it. Yeah, I, I won't have anything to lose. One thing I can't stomach is this guy on YouTube that goes, if you keep doing cardio, I'm going to jump in this pool. I wish he would jump in that fucking pool. I really would. I don't know if you know who I'm talking about on, fa on Facebook. No, I don't know who you're talking on, about. On YouTube, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know who you're talking about. But anyway. There, there's, too many, there's, there's too many idiots to keep track of. But look look at someone like the Liver King, though. He, he, he developed such a high level of popularity because of this character he created. The guy goes everywhere with his shirt off. Anyone who knows anything about anabolics knew this guy was on anabolics the second I saw that guy. I'm not an expert on steroids, but, but I'm not an idiot either. I, the second I saw him, I go, look, this guy's five feet wide of muscle, five foot six, 
five foot wide of muscle. He's got traps to his ears. Of course he's taking anabolics. But, you know, the thing is, if he were honest about that from the get-go, I don't think it really would have diminished his message at all. He could have been like, look, this ancestral living stuff, I I believe that this is something that everybody should be eating meat like this. Fine, fine, all that stuff. Also, I also take advantage of modern-day chemistry. I take growth hormone. I take TRT. I take all these things. If he were honest about that from the get-go, I really don't think it would have diminished his popularity. I think it's... I think it, it hurts you when you get caught in a lie more than if you were forthcoming from the get-go. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I agree with you completely. Um, so what what is it that we've missed on this discussion? What else is, are you passionate about that we can talk about? Is there anything else? We talked about the ch- child trafficking. I mean, there's – yeah. That one, we talked about toxic masculinity. We talked about the self-help stuff, The self how, how detrimental the self-help love movement is. Mm-hmm. And I think – well, there, there, there's so much idiocy. There's so much bad advice in the supplement industry too that keeps getting promulgated. Like one is branched chain amino acids. I still see people going branched chain amino acids are so important. People blow a ton of money on branched chain amino acids. They could take every anabolic under the sun for the what they what they spend on branched chain aminos. Somebody's working working out 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and then they're taking 30 grams of branched chain amino acids in their workout water. I was like, who's protein deficient, right? Most of us prioritize protein as people that work out hard. So who is so protein deficient that they need copious amounts of branched-chain amino acids or essential amino acids? And Jerry Breda makes a good point. He goes, these essential amino acid companies will tell you that it's 100% absorption. He goes, 100% absorption in your bloodstream doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean it's all going to the muscles for any kind of anabolic purpose. Look, anything you consume is going to be 100% you know, absorption. It doesn't mean it's going to be utilized properly in every aspect. So I, I think there's, there's so much bad advice still being promulgated. And I think one of the reasons why is because it goes back to influencers. It doesn't take much to get someone to say your product is great. You can be like, hey, man, I got this, this powdered greens supplement with branched chain amino acids in it, you know, this stuff's amazing. I started taking this and it was night and day. Really? What, how do you, how do you quantify yeah. that that product did anything for you? Right. So there's so, there's, and the problem is, is now people think all supplements are garbage because they're so, yes. they're like all supplements are garbage. All supplements are snake oil salespeople. And that's not true either, but I understand why people feel that way because there's so much garbage out there. Look, when I first started taking supplements, the, the old, old, when I was 18, the rave was hot stuff. Remember that supplement? That stuff was now, amazing. And they, kept, stuff. and they kept changing it when they, when science showed a new supplement, <laughs> they added it to it. Right. Well, so the thing about hot stuff is, is that I don't know this as a fact, but the rumor is that it had methyl testosterone in it, the early batches. So that's why all of us who took it, because I remember taking it, all of a sudden I put 30 pounds on my bench press in two weeks. Yeah. Right? And now granted, this was early in my training days. So you develop strength faster. But everyone who took it noticed this. Then all of a sudden they did a bait and switch, which is common in the supplement industry. What a lot of supplement companies will do is they will put a secret ingredient in it, whether it's some kind of anabolic or some kind of pro-hormone. Now, once the product starts selling really well, they have to do a bait and switch before the FDA looks at it. Right. So but <clears throat> this happens a lot with the the sexual performance supplements. You're like, oh man, I took the supplement. Right. I, I had an erection for three days. And then you realize it had Cialis in it. Right. You know? right. So this kind of tainted supplement, this, this is a notorious part of the supplement industry and it's not anything new. I mean, there, there's a rumor that the early batches of metrics had clenbuterol in it. I don't know if that's true. Or DMP. I remember every, right, right. 
Yeah. Yeah. I remember people taking metrics when it first came out. Everybody's getting leaner. It's like, man, this protein powder, I'm getting ripped. Well, you're not going to get ripped from taking a protein powder. Okay. I hate to admit it to you, but so that's, that's the other thing going too, is that the, the, the fitness industry is completely out of control. And I, I've actually said the same. I exited the fitness industry myself because I got fed up with it. Right. Of course, of course, I'm in the, I'm in the supplement industry now, which is even worse. Right. But I, I don't deal with other supplement companies. I just sell my products direct to the consumer, mind my own business, and I'm happy with my lifestyle. It's more important to me to have a lot of free time than to make more money and just be a slave to working. We, we, like we, right now, I wake up whenever I feel like it. I work when I feel like it. And I can do whatever I own each day right now. Right. So I'm and that, that, and that's the way, that. that's the way to live. And thanks to Christian Boving and Chris Bell for the movie, uh, Bigger, Stronger, Faster, when Christian Boving, Great movie. That, what, what Christian Boving was asked about the before and afters and he goes, no, everybody knows that everybody's using drugs, number one. <laughs> and he said, you do yeah. the, you, we, we do the after pictures first. And then we get fat and do the before pictures. And that lost him the, a, contra, a huge contract with a Canadian oh, company. I don't know if it was terrible. EAS or somebody like that. But he uh, was well, honest well, was about it. Muscle, muscle Tech? Was yeah, it muscle muscle, tech? it was Muscle yeah, Tech. Muscle yeah. Tech. Yeah, and he was yeah. honest. And, and you know, it, it's really it's shocking because people go back and believe that, that, oh, well, this time they're telling the truth. You know, this drug. This, well, you know, my, my attitude is the truth is enough. That's what all these idiots on Instagram don't realize. In my opinion, the truth is enough. You just tell people the truth about something, you will attract the right people and you'll make a good income. You may not be the most popular person. You may not be a fitness celebrity. I didn't get into this business to become a celebrity. I got into this business because I love training and I wanted to share my enthusiasm and help other people. I didn't care about going, okay, I want to have my own reality TV show someday. I want to rub elbows with all these A-listers in Hollywood. I could care less about any of that stuff. And anyone who has the genuine intentions getting into this business would feel the same way. But now what's going on is you can become a celebrity for nothing now. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. You can have 10 million, you can have 10 million followers on Instagram because you're this beautiful woman who posts provocative pics every single day. You can be some guy who's got great abs and a great physique and every day you're posting a picture of yourself with your shirt off. Here's what I had for lunch today. Shirt off. Here's me and my hot girlfriend. Both of us barely have any clothes on. And you have millions of followers. So you can, you can become a celebrity now for doing nothing. When I was growing up, you either had to become an actor or a musician or an athlete, right? Those were your three pathways to fame. You know, it was, and if you couldn't do any of those things, then you said, okay, I'm just going to make a lot of money so that I attract women. You know, that, that was like the, the fallback plan. But now, now you don't have to be good at anything. You don't have to have a high level skill set. You don't have to be a good speaker or a good athlete or a good singer. You can just, just be someone that, Attract you have this you, aspirational you lifestyle. Be, you you just have, be on a boat. You just have to be somebody who can clash, cl- clap your ass cheeks these days. You know, you know, and I want to talk <laughs> well, about that. That is very impressive. No, but I, you know what the funny thing is? <laughs> women have, have women have fought for respect like since the yeah. days of the suffragettes, right? That yeah. that like we yeah. want to vote, we want to be treated with respect. We don't want to be diminished by men. We don't want to be looked at uh, provocatively by men. And literally right. Thanks to Instagram and TikTok, two apps in probably what, two and a half, three years, women will, yeah. they're like dancing seals now. They'll class, clap their ass yeah. cheeks, they'll bounce their boobs, they'll do anything to get people to like, you know, like their, 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 uh, uh, posts. Right. Like this, this is, this is social media whoredom. That's what it is. 
Well, I mean, no, no, no one objectifies women more than women. Yeah. Self-objectifying themselves. Right. Right. Don't put on a scanty little outfit and go to the gym and then be surprised that guys are looking. No, guys, we're men. We're going to look at women. It doesn't mean it's okay for us to stare and do this kind of thing or make inappropriate comments. Okay. But don't, if you don't want that kind of attention, then don't put, don't do, don't have an ostentation outfit, ostentatious outfit where you're basically crying for that kind of attention. Right. Be honest. If you want that attention, just be honest about it. It's like, hey, I'm going to put on the sexiest outfit ever because I want every guy looking at me. It's like, okay, fine. You're honest about that. Yeah, but the women who wear like booty shorts and do stiff like <laughs> stiff like deadlifts, really. Right. And, and then they and they see a guy looking in the mirror and they're like, asshole. No, you're the asshole yeah, for yeah, wearing yeah. that outfit. Come on, let's be honest. Let's call right. it what it is. Yeah, it's right, crazy. We right. we live in really really weird times right now, um, and and it's, it, it's total bizarro. It's total bizarro land. Now that's why you know there have been many times where I just shut down Instagram for months. So it's like I don't want to deal with it. But my attitude now is, you know what? Don't worry about what anyone else is doing on there. You just focus on your lane. You just put yourself out there the way you want to do it. And don't be mad if you don't get a lot of views, or don't get don't be mad if you don't have a ton of comments talking about how great you are. Because this is you just expressing your truth, whatever it is. And then you'll meet the right people. Because people often complain about all the idiocy they see on Instagram. But honestly, I don't follow idiots. So I don't see a lot of idiocy on Instagram. I only see it when someone, I only see it when someone else sends it to me. Like, hey, check this out. All the people I follow are doing cool stuff. So I just see a lot of amazing things going on, whether it's nonprofits or fitness people I know or you putting out content. So it's all up to you how you use these mechanisms. Right. Don't follow people that irritate you. It's like, why are you following these people if you don't like what they're putting yes. out? Yes. You know what? I, I I get people who text me stuff sometimes or message me stuff, and it's about people I don't like, I don't respect. And I'm like, why the <laughs> yeah. fuck would I read that? I don't, I don't, yeah, really, I don't want to see it. Yeah. I don't even want to be influenced by it. You know, do you know that for 17 years I've avoided listening to anybody else's podcast? This is a little oh, known really? fact. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. I don't, I mean, I listen to yours. I watch clips of it. I watch what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But I purposeful, purposefully don't listen to any of these top podcasts. I, I have to admit that I like Joe Rogan and some of the stuff. And I really like Joe. I, I, yeah, Joe, sure. I've been yeah. listening to yeah. Joe. Uh, when I was sick with my heart problem, Rogan started going on uh, Howard Stern. And he, Rogan made me laugh so hard that I even went to see him a couple times. Uh, when he was coming through Louisville or someplace close by. And I like Joe, and I love the fact that he's a, a critical thinker. That's what I like about Joe. He yeah. asks good questions. Yeah. He interviews good people. So I do – I don't listen – I've never listened to the entire show, but I've listened to excerpts of it. But I don't listen to anybody right. – any of the other influences podcasts. I don't want to be influenced by them. I don't want to ask right. questions that they ask. I don't want to not ask questions that I, – I, you know, I, I, right. I don't want to be influenced by, by at all. Um, Sean Watson, who actually is one of the investors in, in Gunleash, uh, he says YouTube is the only social media he has. And I like YouTube. I listen, I watch Family Guy before I go to sleep at night because I have a strong belief that if you laugh before you go to sleep, it's healing. So I watch Family yeah. Guy before I go to sleep every night and I get a good laugh out of it and then I go to bed. So. Yeah. That's a good way. I use, I use YouTube more than anything else too. Yeah. I, I, I could probably get rid of everything else I have. Yes. Hulu, Netflix, all those things. Because I always find myself gravitating back to YouTube because there's so much informational content yes. on there. 
Yes. There's a lot of garbage, but you don't have to watch that. You find the things that that's one, of my, that's one thing I do like about the space we're in right now is, yes, there's a lot of nonsense, but there's also a lot of really good people putting out great stuff. You just have to find it. And there's mechanisms to avoid the idiots. You su- you subscribe to the people you like and the things you like and you avoid right. the rest. You yeah. know, th- yeah. this, this is sad because uh, I was just thinking that this is probably the last time you and I will be together on this show. I want to promote one more time. Show Mike Mala love. Uh, go to shrnetwork.biz slash Mahler's slash, I'm sorry, uh, hyphen aggressive hyphen strength and use the code SHR to get 10% off. Uh, show him some love. Is that the dog? Did I just hear the dog? Yeah, I have I have a yellow lab in front of me right now. He's, he's snoozing away. He finds your voice very soothing, so he's relaxing right here. <laughs> so did you you had a you had a a, a standard uh, bulldog for a while? Did not a standard bulldog like an American? Um... Well, I've got I, I had a terrier mix that was my sidekick for a was. long time. Rover, he's the one that's in all my videos. He passed unfortunately last year. Oh, Two dogs passed last year. My my youngest dog Reina is still with me. She's the one with the big pointy ears. You see her with me when I put up my skateboarding. Skateboarding, clip right? I love your skateboarding. It's inspired me that when I <laughs> to try skateboarding sometime in the near future when my legs are better. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. fun stuff. It's fun stuff. It's nice. It's to me, skateboarding is very. It feels very free. I feel very free yeah. when I do it. I get into a flow state. You just feel like you're floating. It puts me into that. Nothing really gets me into a flow state the way skateboarding or something like snowboarding does. So you're not thinking about what you're going to do after. You're not thinking about what you just did. You're just focused on the moment because you really have to be focused on the moment because if you're not paying attention, Break your you're going to crash. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, come, I, I come from the old school, so I don't wear a helmet or any kind of protective gear just because I, I didn't grow up wearing that stuff. I'm not saying this is a smart thing to do. I'm just saying I grew up skateboarding where none of us did that. So I still do that now. And I will say this. I, I have had a couple of bad crashes, like one where I went flying off my board. I landed in the grass, fortunately. But I, I will say this. I was very happy when I got up and nothing was broken. <laughs> I go, wow, you know, I'm, most guys my age, they'd probably blow up yes. or something if they did this. Like my body is so resilient that I was able to take that impact. Yes. And I also, you also, I learned how to fall. So when I fell, I rolled with it and all that. I didn't just, boom, stand, fall just very aggressively yeah, to the ground. Right. So it's nice to know that your body's still resilient. I'm not saying that I want. That's to because, but that's because you're that. training. You're training up regular, up, yeah. upgrade your, your your skeletal system. I fell down a right. flight. I'll never forget this. Right. This is this is funny. <laughs> we had Elisa and I had gone out to dinner for Valentine's Day. This is probably about six years ago, and we came back to the house and she went upstairs and I had to you know lock the doors, turn the outside lights on, do all this stuff, and. I was heading to the, be- the bedroom, so we had a stairway, a hall, and we had a-, a basement stairway down with no door on it, and I made a left turn down the stairs instead of into the hall, and I went oh. down the stairs full full force. Oh. I realized I was falling after my foot didn't touch the ground. I was like, oh, this isn't good. I broke, I, <laughs> I broke one of the stairs that I landed on, tore the railing off the, the wall, she comes down. I ran back up the stairs because I was like, oh, shit. Like, we're not going to have any lovemaking if she realizes I just found the stairs. She's going to be like, are you sure you're okay? I ran up the stairs and I hear her. She goes, what was that? I said, no, it's okay. Nothing. And I ran up the stairs and I said, oh, I fell down the stairs. The next morning we came down and assessed. I was like, holy shit. And the reality was at that point in time, I was uh, probably uh, maybe 58, 59 or so. And I didn't hurt any. I had a bruise on my butt cheek, and that was it. And I was like, man, the average guy my age falls down the stairs. He breaks a hip. 
Like didn't happen to me. That's that's the upregulation of of the skeletal system from all the weightlifting. Yeah, and that's why training is so important. Forget about the aesthetics. Forget about having abs and nice shoulders and all that. I mean, I like having those things too. Don't get me wrong. But the most important thing is making your body more resilient. Yeah. You're actually more injury proof. You're not gonna if you do get injured, you'll recover a lot faster too. That's the other thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, look, this has been great. This is uh, kind of closure because you've been on the show so many times over the years and we've been friends for so many years. And uh, I'm going to say that I'm going to miss this opportunity to hang out with you on a, on the air, but I'm going to replace Likewise. I'm going to replace it with opportunities to hang out with you in person. I can promise you that. Yeah, I look forward to that. Yeah, definitely. Thank uh, you very much. Yeah, appreciate Mike it. Mahler is a great individual. Uh, he, some people may not think of him this way, but he is an influencer <laughs> of sorts. That's okay. <laughs> no, because you are an influencer because you influence people with high qualities to live stand high quality standards well, to you. live by. And check him out. Go to shrnetwork.biz slash Mahler's hyphen aggressive hyphen strength. And that's M-A-H-L-E-R-S if you don't know it. Check out his uh, his testosterone booster and his uh, estrogen control. Uh, there's nothing like them on the market. There's a reason for that. And uh, we will see everybody with more Superhuman Radio tomorrow. And we'll see you soon, Mike, on the trails, brother. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank take, you for having take, me. Take care. Always Thanks. To, and don't forget, share the show. You never know whose life you're going to change if you share a show.